0: Good afternoon, wherever you are. I'm Connor Fowler. And I'm Matt Smith. And welcome to Apocalypse Studs. We have a special show today, continuing our southern tour. Today, we welcome the indomitable William Fleming, Baltimore City educator, scientist, effortless style icon, and much more to be discovered. William, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Connor. Thanks, Matt.
2: How are you? Yeah, of course. But thank you for being here.
0: Been a rocky road, but we are here. We are all in the same room, listening to each other talk.
1: (laughs) Quite a rocky road. (laughs)
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. How how's your day been today, William?
1: So currently it's spring break, and it's been pretty relaxed for the most part. I'm still in Baltimore City, so I'm not on vacation,
2: as in out of town. But
1: yeah, yeah, it's pretty good.
2: Yeah. What's the What's the weather like there for both of you guys?
1: (sighs) Oh. Uh, I saw on a marquee that it was 48. I don't typically check. Oh, shit. It didn't feel that. (laughs) It didn't feel that cold to me, though. So
0: it was there is, you know, when it's like there's a blanket of moisture in the air. That's what's going
2: on. Uh, Good. Good times. Good times. I will not regale you with the uh, high 60s and sunny day that I have. Damn. Damn you. Sorry.
0: We always get get the weather. (laughs) we always get your weather. So it's yeah. coming for us next.
2: Exactly, exactly. Very true. So to
0: get yeah. into it, William will start at the beginning. Where did you grow up?
1: Yeah, so I was born uh, in Augusta, Georgia, and I spent my beginning years in a town not far from there, but my family then moved uh, to Atlanta. So all three of those places I call home, but mostly Atlanta, Georgia.
2: Nice. What, uh, just out of curiosity for me, like what neighborhood or like area in Atlanta were you in?
1: So that's Southwest?
2: Oh, nice. Uh, um, nice. Yeah. Like Sylvan Hills, East Point?
1: Like, uh, Sandtown. Um, okay. Creek, okay. That area. Yeah, yeah,
0: fuck
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Did you say
0: Sandtown?
1: Yeah, there's a. <laughs> it's recent. It's now called. Too? Yeah, it's now called the City of South Fulton.
2: Or oh fuck! Okay, okay. I didn't realize that so that got and engulfed. There's a, Fulton
0: in- Avenue, there's a Fulton Avenue that leads to Sandown in Baltimore.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if it was a um, some
2: lawyer or you know legislator. Oh, <laughs> we, right, t- totally. we tend to okay. recycle
1: names. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. Well, that's that's sick, man. Like uh, being someone that's you know, been in Atlanta forever, like, it, it's always fun to meet people that actually grew up in the city, um, versus, like, a suburb that moved into it, which I am definitely, like, you know, that's a part of me, but I've been here since 2002,
1: so. Oh, uh, that's some time, that's, that's pretty, long. yeah, I,
2: like, it's, it, it it is my favorite city in the country, and shout out to Atlanta, Georgia, but, Happy to be talking to a to an uh, another Atlantan.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what
2: uh, so, what what um, do you remember? Kind of being like the first memory of uh, you paying attention to clothing.
1: Hmm. I remember my mother would take. So she would get her hair done quite frequently, as a lot of black women do, Um, and she, you know, working professional. But there was a children's clothing store right next to or perhaps on the same block as the beauty salon. And I remember my sister and I would go with her and there would be all of these really, really nice what I believe were custom made uh, clothing and accessories and toys and also books and so the displays would be really really nice um and she would go and get things for us for any special occasion or if it was school was starting and it was summertime and we needed the staples but uh i remember looking at those things and thinking wow that looks really really good but questioning like why why is it that these colors look good together or this tech this type of fabric mm. or you know it, I was always curious as to what, why certain things would be pieced together. So um, that started really, really, really early. <laughs> oh,
2: that's awesome, isn't it? Like how how early do you think that was?
1: That was maybe, hmm, I'll say fourth or fifth grade.
2: Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. And, and what, what kind of stuff, you know, did you see the people that you were around uh, wearing uh, I, while you were growing up?
1: I was going to say we went uh to church. We, my parents are very religious, so we were in church every week. Um and so for the most part you would see men in suits, just typical sack suits, um, two or three button. Nothing really flashy or overdone. Um but right, the, just women, classic southern. Exactly right. The women though, because just of how society is structured, would have a little bit more leeway and expression. Um right. and so you would see all different sorts of things. You'd see I didn't really see a lot of fur in the South, but certainly jewelry, um, different types of uh, fabrics and all these really different prints. I thought those were pretty cool. And, of course, shoes were a thing and handbags were a thing, too, and hats. And some men wore pretty decent hats as well. Yeah. So I saw some pretty nice things for the most part.
2: Yeah, you were kind of taking it all in, not just, like, the guys in suits, but also mm-hmm. just, like, the color pops and things for, on the, like the more femme side of shit.
0: Yeah. When you identified, you identified a type of suit too, right? The sack suit. Um, right, right. The, the, uh, we use the word indomitable already, but, uh, the sack suit is like a sort of bulletproof uh, institution Mm -hmm. in American, in American tailored clothing.
1: And it's so practical. That's what I like about it. It's very, very practical. I appreciate that. Oh, totally, totally. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every now and again, for certain, yeah, (laughs) you sure can. And I like that, especially especially at work. But I was going to say, every now and again, you'd come across what I guess young people now, or at least millennials will call like a beau, like a guy who is kind of fancy. So like bow ties or like he might wear saddle saddle shoes or the Sears uh-huh. type guy. Right, you know that, right. that. And I mean, this is not a younger guy. This is someone that's older. So, you know, he has time and uh, probably a pension or some kind of retirement fund. And just pretty cool, laid back, but also very stylish. Yeah, yeah
2: just someone that stepped out, stepped out a little bit more than others.
1: Yes, my father had a very close friend whose name was Otis. Um, who was an impeccable dresser in that regard. Tall, very thin. He was from Cleveland. Um, Very, very nice dresser. Yep.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I guess we'll cut to the chase here a little bit. Why did you go into teaching and why in Baltimore?
1: Yeah, so I left graduate school Um, with a degree, two degrees in biology, um, and I was planning on going to Seattle. I was either going to go to Seattle or New York, but I was more set on Seattle, um, to do research in infectious disease. Um, there was a leading HIV and AIDS researcher that I talked to, and he was really interested in me shadowing him or just working under him. And then I thought, well, maybe I should just, you know, cast my net a little bit wider and so I applied for TFA, um, but they didn't have any positions uh, teaching biology. In in TFA America.
0: TFA is
1: oh yeah, Teach for America. <laughs> Teach for America. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, no, I think I think a lot of people will know, but anyway.
1: Yeah, um, and to be fair, I also I mean that graduate degree was pretty tough. It just took a lot out of me, especially having gone straight into it after undergraduate. So. I thought, well, maybe I should do something a little bit more relaxed. Uh, So TFA, unfortunately, didn't (laughs) have a position for me. Um, And so they said, but we really like you. We can refer you to one of our partner organizations. And so they introduced me to Urban Teachers, um, talked with them for about two weeks, and then they gave me an option to go, three options. They said Baltimore, D.C., or Dallas, I think. Um, and I thought,' no, I can't go to Texas. I absolutely can't go to Texas. Good and call. I can't and I can't go to d c so Baltimore was the um the only option, so yeah, I chose that and plus see Yay. I was just so far away, I was just like, that's really far away from my family. <laughs> it's really far so
2: yeah so i I was in Baltimore recently, and I like being, you know, a long time Atlantan, I noticed a lot of similarities, but between the two cities, um, have you like, have you kind of had that same experience being in Baltimore?
1: Um, I would say I could see some, but they are unique in that regard, though. Totally, totally. There's parts of Baltimore City that remind me of like old Fourth Ward. Um, yeah, or like ponds, and then of course there's parts that remind me of you know where I'm from, or like Druid Hill, Druid Hill and Homewood are very similar to me. Right, so, right. You know, so I can see why you would say that. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It it like I mean I don't know when the last time you were down here, uh but seeing as how your family's from here, I, I would imagine that like you're you're down here like somewhat often, mm-hmm. but. You know, one of the things that struck me about, like, the difference was how gentrified Atlanta become has become. And, like, mm-hmm. how little uh, corporate, like, or national corporate shit I saw in Baltimore, which was really, really kind of shocking. Like, there was not that much of it there. So, like, the gentrification has It been... is
0: reviled. It is a despised place.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like Corporations it, it... corporations
0: leave Baltimore because it's in Maryland, which is in a very expensive state. And so you if you were to have, say, your headquarters in Baltimore, you would be paying tons of money and you would be in Baltimore, uh, as many people would think, right? Um <laughs> so it just is
2: it just is all poisonous, really. Yeah. It... I don't know. It was just rad for me to see like a place like Baltimore that has like some similarities, but they actually keep the old shit instead of just knocking mm-hmm. it down and making it into some like, you know, hyper corporate development like they do here.
1: Yeah, I really that's what I really appreciate about it. Oh, I do it like that. Um because what I Aside from the social aspect of gentrification, the the architecture itself is, is concerning because it's not always number one, the best materials or two, the best design or the smartest design. Um, and so that certainly cuts away to me from quality of life because it's like, oh, uh, well, this is gonna have to get torn down in another 20, 30 years anyway. So
2: right. constant
1: evolution, people are constantly moving around which is going to happen but I think that we just have to be a little bit more careful. Um, totally. And I appreciate how, even though I think sometimes people can go overboard, how citizens or members of a neighborhood can come together and enact maybe zoning laws or policies so that certain buildings can't be torn down or right. they can be restored or be on the national registry. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, there is a, a certain... Um,
0: Respect for history in that way, but I think that it's kind of connected to my earlier point about like people just staying out of Baltimore. Like Mm -hmm. people are not knocking stuff down because people are not itching to build buildings in Baltimore. Um, But it seems now that that the kind of course
1: has changed completely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I don't know when I first came here. I could immediately sense that it was underpopulated. <laughs> I was like whoa. Well it's yeah. not
0: just it is not <laughs> underpopulated. It is like grossly underpopulated. From like one uh I think from one point six million down to four hundred thousand, like that is the that is the toll of white flight.
1: Mm. mm. Wow. Baltimore used to be the fifth
0: biggest city in America.
1: Yeah, I did hear that. Um, I was reading that book, The Black Butterfly, which talks about mm-hmm. housing and segregation and how um, Baltimore was a prominent city in the beginning. I don't know exactly when that started. Maybe the 20th century? Um, yeah, but but I think that's that when it is...
0: began, like with industry.
1: And as you, like you were just saying, because... Uh, suburbs started to started to boom and then highways and interstates were being built tearing down certain neighborhoods Uh, and people (laughs) like you were just saying they didn't have a desire to live in the city anymore They didn't have i guess the amenities for people to want to raise a family so it's kind of depressing but it's the reality (laughs) and i can see it like you think cities can
0: be yucky places, but, like, they don't have to be, and certainly this one isn't, uh, like, a cursed place, you know? hmm But there right. is, like, a sort of a pall o- o- over Baltimore, um, I mean, that I, I don't think, th- think other cities in America have, really, like...
2: Yeah, um, I feel like Baltimore and Chicago, in particular, are two places like that, and... Uh, like, I've seen a lot of cities in the country, um, and a lot, of, a lot of the complaints about this about things are literally just being in a city where there are people around you at close quarters, and it's like, yo, know, can you just be a normal ass human being? Mm-hmm. Like, there's, you know, there, there, there are things about living in very close proximity to a lot of people that i don't think that people moving into that space understand and it's like yo just stay in the suburbs
1: right i was telling <laughs> one of my colleagues um, her wife that the perception of Southern as being somewhat pleasant or hospitable is because we don't have to wake up and <laughs> kind of elbow <laughs> our way through the day we have right, a space Right. And um, coming here, I mean, it's not hustle and bustle all the time, but it certainly can be a lot more rushed than a place like Atlanta or Nashville or New Orleans or Savannah or Charleston or any of those places. Totally, totally. Yeah, I don't think that they, I don't know, I don't know. Cities are, they're meant to be cosmopolitan. They're meant to be places for civilized people, but... I do get what you mean when you say that not everyone follows that same uh, rule of thumb. Oh, certainly.
2: <laughs> certainly. Know. I mean, let's be honest here. The Nextdoor app, whatever the fuck, website is a is a great example of this. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> <laughs> everyone hates Nextdoor. I, I only personally joined it because I found two like dogs that were roaming around. But it's like, these people are complaining about the dumb shit that goes into living very, very close in a city to other people. And there's, you know, for for a very uh, elementary definition of it, you know, it's it's really fun to like, I don't know, just hear the differences in in people living in these like metropolitan areas and what they want versus what people think it. It's actually
1: like. What stood out to me when I first moved here, though, aside from it being grossly underpopulated, was the um, very pronounced amount of public art, the murals. Oh, the fuck yeah. Yeah. That was uh-huh. very new Absolutely. to me. That was very new to me. Very, very new. And I appreciate it. I really do because I don't see that back home. Um, yeah.
0: There's one right behind the school. There's like a huge mural right behind the school. You can see from the playground.
1: Mm -hmm. And the school itself
0: has tons of art on it.
1: Yeah, which I love because art is just, it's amazing in every description. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, even when you're suffering, I mean, art can, can lead you to think about a number of different components of the human condition. So I like that that's readily available and accessible. In the city.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it's like it you should be inundated with it really. Right, right. So I guess now that we are back to the teaching, um, what do you wear going into the school?
1: Hmm, it depends on the day. I mean you know you know that. Um but right. for the most part, <laughs> for the most part it's going to be something Um, casual, I get, well, I shouldn't say casual, but something very relaxed. Uh, I might do a suit inside, but that's not every day. I try to get it in at least once a week. Um, but I do like to have a jacket or a blazer to be more specific. Um, dress shoes. I do, I wear tennis shoes maybe once or twice a week. Because I mean, second graders—did you have you running, ripping, and running? So I do need to have to be somewhat comfortable there. Um, you have
0: to be agile, really. Yes,
1: right? yes, and yeah. And
0: you're yeah. Uh, much more athletic than than I am, and you and what what you have to do daily, basically. But it can be an it can be an intense job.
1: Yes, yes, picking up kids. Oh. And then I rarely ever, I mean, you know, I'm always super tired when I'm sitting down. <laughs> like, I'm really yeah. sitting down. So having to stand all day is, I have to factor that in when I'm thinking about style. Um, but I do, I like to be comfortable and nice. So, yeah. To say, there are a few things I,
0: I like, I notice. That are just great. Like I have taken the pencil in the pocket from you. I think it's oh. just, it's just it's like it just is like uh it just is an absurdist detail that mm. I really uh, connected with. So
1: <laughs> you mean in, the, just like in a the pocket
0: full of pencils in the sack oh, in yeah. the sack coat in the uh, in the tweed jacket, just like oh, in the yeah. waist pocket. Yeah, ten yeah. pencils.
1: Yeah, that's like. My-
0: Ten sharpened
1: pencils <laughs> and it's practical it's one of those form fits function type things because they never have pencils or rarely do they have pencils, and so to cut down on having to spend five minutes sharpening pencils, I'll just keep them on me and it's fortunate that there's actually enough room in that both pockets as well there's something in all of those pockets
2: trust me oh that's that's the coolest fucking thing on earth, man. Like mm-hmm. Matt,
0: you have to say the quote about the purse.
2: About oh, that the Navy blazer is the like masculine version of the little black purse.
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. I mean you can you can throw shit in all of the pockets, both mm-hmm. outer and inner, and use that shit. Like
1: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I I've definitely gotten weird looks in my life because the dudes that I worked with had some, you know, like weirdness about using the pockets, and I'm like, dude, if there's pockets. I'm using them. All right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't be there for nothing. Well, I mean, exactly. I don't...
2: Exactly, dude. Like <laughs> when when we were getting uh, you know, kind of researching and getting ready for the interview, like Connor kind of kind of gave me a little bit of a rundown, you know, because you guys know each other, and I was like, this is where the undercover style icon came from because it's shit like this. Like, Mm -hmm. you're not, you're not trying to be a blog dude, or that's a dated fucking term. You're not trying to be an influencer, but like, you're wearing cool shit, looking cool and using it for its purpose. And I was like, this guy's fucking awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: you know, like, there's, there's like a nonverbal communication through clothing. And it's like, you know, you're, you're not even like giving it a second thought you're just stuffing some pistols in your pocket because that makes sense
1: (laughs) right yeah and it's it would be different if if this was you know if i was out on the town or you know hanging out but it's work still so of course you totally (laughs) you can't you can still look nice but you can't be too laid back oh absolutely then that's
0: the that's the communication, too. Like, you show up to work, you don't really have it together. The students are very aware of that.
1: Mm-hmm. If it's going to
0: be a movie day, like, the kids know what's going on. And they will right. strike. Right, they can
1: tell. Right, right. They certainly they, That sense, oh, my goodness. The awareness, even though that they can't always articulate that or say it plainly, they can certainly pick that up. Yeah, you're absolutely right.
0: They're super, super perceptive. They really are like
1: just little. Ge- each one of them is a genius. Soaking it all, soaking it all in. <clears throat>
2: Dude, I do say
1: too. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh
2: no, no it, it, continue your thought.
1: I was going to say one of the things that they talked to us about, or at least stressed in particular, when I was going through my teacher training, was that you are like all day a model <laughs> and i certainly grossly yeah. underestimated i grossly underestimated what they meant when they said that but you certainly are because they look at everything <laughs> and notice and critique everything. everything everything um which is i think a little bit more intense than walking down a runway or being in a catalog because People can actually see you and engage with you. So what are
0: those black things on your face, Mister Connor? What are those red things on your face, Mister Connor?
1: Right. Yeah. Right.
0: It's every single thing. But they're not like being mean about it. They are not even. They're not even aware that rude is something that could be. It just is right. an innocuous question, basically.
1: Hmm. Hmm. I have come across. Some kids, and this is why I tend to tone it down a little. I've certainly toned it down since I came to Sandtown. But, like, some days I'll come in and they'll be like, why do you look so nice? I remember when they said, he was like, where did you get those clothes? <laughs> I was like, "Um, I don't even, I can't even remember what I had on that day. But it was just, you know, just a regular getup. And I was like, I don't even know. And then Kyle one day was like, why do you look so nice? I thought that that was pretty funny, though, so yeah, because of that, and me just trying to be sensitive, even though they do wear uniforms, um I don't like to come and you know do it up. I just like to look you know pretty well put together
2: what's the uh what's the funniest thing the kids approach to you for, as far as like oh how shoot they look.
1: Shoes, shoes, because <laughs>
2: shoes.
1: yeah, and it's, and when I say shoes, I mean sneakers, because they'll wear, you know, Nikes or or Air Jordans or something, you know, the new the newest latest. And me, I'm the total, complete opposite of that, at least at this age, because I don't find it useful at all. I'm not a sneakerhead.
0: Yeah. So um,
1: and so I have these like Rubach Club C's that that i've had for a while and they're like old and dirty and kind of grimy and so they're like oh your shoes (laughs) they're they're talking they're your shoes are talking mr
2: totally (laughs) dude (laughs) totally yeah Yeah, Uh. that's
1: pretty much it though if i'm dressed professionally then they don't they tend to not say anything negative which i like i appreciate that
2: i mean that i feel like that's kind of a uh like, a remarkable thing for what you teach second grade. <laughs> like, they don't have yes. anything to say about it. hmm
1: mm-hmm.
2: Oh, that's funny, man. Uh, so, what, a, Connor has told me that you're kind of a music aficionado, and so, like, music and clothing for us on the show always has... A tie-in with each other. So, what what kind of music are you into, and um, how do you you know think that's influenced your style over the years? Hmm. hmm.
1: That's a good question.
2: I know that's a, that's a hard question,
1: but. So I would love to say that trap music is number one,
2: but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: mean,
2: man, it's it. We all enjoy it from time to time, you
1: know. And, of course, me being from, you know, where I'm from, I do love it. Don't get me wrong. And I think a lot of people kind of think that it's in poor taste. But I like the lyrics. And, of course, I do like the rhythm. Oh, absolutely. Um, Some of that 90s R&B is pretty good. But I think number one is indie rock. Okay. Um, Yeah, I love indie rock. I love rock music. I really do. Mm. I really, really do. Uh, there's a band, you all have probably heard of them, Krongbin. I love all of their albums. It's hmm. a guy, two guys and a girl. Um, I like Dave Matthews, too. I, is that, I don't, I'm not really sure what genre that is. Is that, like, bluegrass?
2: Uh, adult. yeah, I guess adult rock. I don't, I don't I really gonna know. I to say, how that. yeah,
0: like adult contemporary.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty um, invested in the rock category. Nice,
2: yeah. hell yeah! Yeah, I like rock music with a little bit of trap thrown in sometimes. sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat>
2: you know, it's you're from like you said, you're from Atlanta. You gotta you gotta love that to an extent.
1: I'll tell you that um, I've only been to Tennessee once, but <clears throat> country music is growing on me. Oh fuck yeah, dude! <laughs> My dad used to listen to some some country. He listened to a lot of blues and a lot of jazz. And I appreciate those two respectively, but I like the um. Yeah, he listened to a lot of country, well, some country, blues, and jazz. Yeah. I think jazz okay. is his favorite. Genre. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's 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 a nice like staple of shit. And you know, did you did you see some of those guys grow, like the pictures of them growing up and. You know, the the other musicians that you've been into, did that that play a little bit of a role in how you, you know, wanted to perceive yourself?
1: Absolutely. Well, not necessarily aesthetically. Okay. But um, I did appreciate just the, their posturing, the things that they said and their outlooks on life. Um, totally. The neo-soul artists, which are somewhat like R&B artists, but not so much. Had yeah, this, yeah. We've always kind of viewed them as being what we now say woke, but the term back then was conscious. Right. And I think right. some people still say mm-hmm. conscious, but I, I appreciate that because there was a, a respect for awareness and always a, a very important theme in the things that they did or in the music that they pre- created. Um, and so m- even if I wasn't really down with what they were wearing, I would certainly be aligned with their outlook on life.
2: Yeah, man. Um, Who, like, I'm, what kind of what kind of artists are we talking about here? It's just I was not... about
1: to say I'm thinking about um, Andre Three Thousand. Hell yeah! I'm, think- <laughs> I'm thinking about Music Soul Child, um, Luther Vandross for certain, although he's more so R and B. Yeah, certainly. Um, certainly. It, my parents loved a lot of those male singers: Smokey Robinson for certain, Earth, Wind and Fire. Yeah, all of dude. Those, all of- they just played in Baltimore last night. Really? Yeah.
0: Wow. Damn I that I am not know they yeah. just played last night.
2: Y'all should have come see played. this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: um there are some pretty some pretty good artists in uh in Atlanta. And in oh, the South in general.
2: Totally, man, totally. I'm typical
1: typically understated.
2: Yeah, yeah. I it, what was it? Andre said Atlanta's got something to say at the yeah, Grammys the in like something to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like that's. Uh, I don't know that that to me is a part of growing up in the South is being exposed to like all of this insane, uh, just remarkable music across a million different genres, and it's like oh, mm-hmm. like you can you can kind of feel like. Oh, this influences this, influences that, and it's all interconnected.
1: I read on Wikipedia, and you know, you can take that with the grain of salt, um, that I think everything the...
0: on Wikipedia is true. <laughs> That's what I tell the students. It's all true.
1: <laughs> um <laughs> But there was a, a line on the page about the southeastern United States that it's the most Written about part of the country, and I think like yeah, and I I think that that's really interesting because being for it's hard to divorce myself from from that culture because that is who I am, but I do sometimes try to look at it objectively. Um, Totally, totally. And I came across these two rappers from uh, where are they from? New Orleans, the Suicide Boys, two white guys, really, really, really good though, like super, super, super good music. Um, sure. And they kind of talk about or write about uh, themes like dystopia, or I guess like the the industrial revolution and how the plantation kind of fell apart and how society fell by the wayside and all of the mania that came with that or the rage that came with that. And I think that that's pretty interesting. Of course, they talk about um, addiction and drug use as well, recreational drug use. But those themes I've seen represented in a number of different writers and musicians uh, and artists in general. So I don't know, I think a lot of people had a pretty tough time once um, <laughs> the Civil War ended.
2: Yeah, certainly, certainly. Mm-hmm.
1: And, it was ex- and it was expressed um, quite strongly so I, and I recognize that people wish things were the way they were back then, although none of us were living then. I don't know right how we right. Can, can assume that that was better, but I can respect people's uh, preferences. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'm sure you've
1: come across, I was to say, I'm sure you've probably come across a Southerner that has something to say about Today's times and how times were better back then. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah, far, far more than I would like, but you know, Mm -hmm. such is Mm -hmm. the part of being in a society.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Something (laughs) like. That's one way
0: of thinking about it.
2: (laughs) Right, right. You know, if you're in the South, it's inevitable, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's pervasive.
2: Right. Something. We just found out. What?
0: Oh no, I was just going to say we just we just found out someone in our family has a Confederate flag tattoo. Oh, sweet. sweet. Yeah, distantly, but even so, it's like what are you doing?
1: There was a large debate. We used to have some really interesting conversations back in like elementary and middle school because we there were two girls, two sisters. Um, one was in our grade, and the other one was a bit older. Who wore those? Uh, you may have seen them before, Matt. Um, the Dixie Chicks.
2: Oh yeah. Shirts, yeah.
1: yeah, they're pretty common. Yeah. Um, this and,
2: is this is pre George W. Bush, and them speaking out about him. Yes.
1: Right. 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 Um, and people would be like, "Well, why are you wearing that?" You know what? Mm-hmm. Most black people didn't say anything, but just other white people would be like, "Well, why are you? You know, what's the deal?" And they're like, "I'm proud, you know, to be Southern, and I appreciate it." And I didn't feel any particular way about it at the time, and I don't, I don't right now because you know, <laughs> I just don't feel that I can control what somebody else thinks. But I just used to think like, "Wow." You know, you really have a connection to this. Right. To all of what this represents. Like, Okay. Hmm. And they were, I mean, they were agreeable, girl. They weren't, like, you know, they weren't mean or anything. It's just, right, it's just right. Really yeah,
2: it, it's kind of like, I don't know. The, the word Dixie just has the worst connotations at this point. And, like, mm-hmm. aesthetically, it's a good word maybe originally it would have been a good word uh without its connotations but yeah thankfully uh thankfully that's kind of died a little bit (laughs) it's so hard
0: to separate words like that like oh totally totally (laughs) yeah yeah The there have been efforts to reclaim the word nazi for example that have had some measurable success i suppose but it still is like, who is, I don't know, who is trying, I
2: mean, we know who is trying to bring it back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Not the people that, that we necessarily want to be around. Not the listeners of this show, certainly. No, certainly. (laughs) Certainly. (laughs) Uh, So, William, how do you acquire, like, a, a good, percentage of your clothing like do you thrift do you uh you know buy second hand does that play into it at all
1: yeah um <laughs> i would say i'd say that maybe 40% of my wardrobe came from my dad or like my uncles oh that's it yeah and then i would say another 30% was either consignment or you know second hand thrifting and then the rest i would just get off the rack. Yeah. Like brand new. Which I, I don't tend to like to do that. Um, because unless it's a really, really nice, you know, fashion house. But if it's of course, of course. From yeah. a department store, it's uh, no.
2: Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a, a very big gray area with buying stuff at like big box stores. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah what what kind of stuff did you get from your uh from your dad and your uh, grandpa you said
1: yeah lots of military jackets oh <laughs> oh yeah speaking yeah, my language suit which is very very um hyper masculine looking <laughs> like you don't even have to do much really right right you know, yeah these coats. um but and they're also very warm so i do appreciate i've actually been to um what do they call army supply stores to get like belts and shoes? Oh, yeah, totally. Things because they are very, very practical. Um, all, tons of ties. Um, my father's a lot larger than me, so I can't wear his dress shirts. But uh, other accessories um, his shoe size is smaller than mine. Some suits, some suits when he was, he used to be my size. And so there's some suits he's had for some time that he's, Passed down, um, yeah. That's pretty much it, though. Sweaters, tons of sweaters, vests, sweater vests, cardigans. <laughs> so
0: this is the this is the heirloom clothing that we were talking about in the lead up to this show. Um, some of the sort of cultural differences in thrifting, and um, we talked about. Clothes being passed down, as you said, mm-hmm. I was wondering if you ha- if you had anything else to say about that.
1: Yeah, I think um it is. It's a very fortunate circumstance to be in, in particular if the items are of good quality. And I appreciate that he was able.
2: Yeah, to <laughs> yeah, yeah, it. totally, um, totally.
1: Um, both of my parents, honestly, teaching me that. The fabric, of course, is important. The color is important. The the cut is important. But I mean, the you know, a seamstress can always alter that for you. But um, when you start there and then venture out to whichever you know designer you like or whichever department store you like, I think things get a little bit easier. I when I go to stores now, I always check the not the label to see who made it, but what is it made out of.
2: Right, <laughs> you know? totally.
1: Cause it's not worth it to me, at least in the long run, um, to use synthetic fibers. I mean, I have some things, but for the most part, they just, they don't hold up. They really don't hold up as long.
2: I, I am anti-polyester. I've, I will go on record. I will. Yeah. Yeah.
1: S- same polyester. And they, rayon they are acrylic. on earth
2: forever. Right, right. Like <laughs> right. about
0: they like they created it, and now it's here forever.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I understand that like some of the best you know vintage T shirts are fifty fifty cotton poly. I I refuse to wear them. <laughs> I I cannot do about the only thing I can do with any polyester in it is like a hoodie or a sweatshirt. So, mm. I will go on record as being anti polyester.
1: I remember yes. <laughs> I remember the first time I ever got a um, cashmere sweater, and my mom had gotten it. Uh, it was around like Black Friday, so it was on sale. And when I felt it, it was like I was like, "What is this?" right yeah, it just, because it was so light for it to be as big as it was and I just, that was, I was just dumbfounded that things could feel like that and be and look great you know so textiles are really I love that part about clothing as well
2: yeah Especially it's also it's like it, that's not really a thing that i feel like the general population thinks about like yeah you, you were I, <laughs> you had this instilled in you and it's like Mom and Dad showed you how to be discernible with like mm-hmm. how something feels, and that's fucking awesome,
1: yeah, I love the way certain things feel like linen oh linen. So, oh
2: yeah
1: yeah uh unfortunately we don't I don't get that much of an opportunity like I do back home, right
2: <laughs> right, yeah,
1: so it's mm. gonna be
0: linen time, it's gonna be linen time pretty soon in the school, oh,
1: I love that. I love that, yeah. I'm a big linen fan. Dude.
0: Yeah. It's good. It's great. It's a great fabric. And people say like, oh, it gets wrinkly. I am a person
2: The wrinkles who make it wants yeah.
0: it to not Yeah. Yeah. I wanna it's nice. <laughs> it's a mm-hmm. nice thing. And it's not uh it doesn't make you feel horrible when you're wearing
1: yeah, that's and that adds some of the science into it too, because many of these fabrics, of course, they've been they've evolved over time from different cultures, but um, the utility again being breathable. <laughs> because I always joke with my friends when people came to the United States and in particular, like in the Gulf area, I'm sure that they were just suffering beyond description. Oh, like, can you imagine how hot? savannah and new orleans was compared to england
2: right
1: <laughs> uh, right By goodness my goodness mm, i don't see how they made it i don't mm-mm. i don't either man
2: <laughs> i i do not either so I much
0: so much of it is like unbelievable like why did you walk that thing so far <laughs> whatever
2: right, <has>. right. <laughs> oh then the opposite you know you get the opposite of like minnesota where exactly. people just kept going North and they're like, Oh yeah, fuck this. This feels good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, how, mm-hmm. how on earth? Uh, well, th- well, this has been a really fun conversation. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, always a pleasure to meet someone that's also from Atlanta. Slash South, uh, but we, the last question we wanted to ask was, do you have a favorite article of clothing?
1: A favorite article of clothing? Um,
2: I or, did. Or footwear? What? Whatever. But is there something that you're just like,
1: you know, die-hard? Yes. Um, I did, but I lost it. Um, oh no! <laughs> so, yeah, it was a um, navy blue and like a burgundy. I think that J-Press calls them schoolboy scarves.
2: Oh, okay. Um, very
1: thick. It, it just looks, it was really, really nice. Every time I wear that, people always complimented me. But oh, it man. was warm, too. Yeah. And so I don't want to buy a replacement, but I think I have to because it was just, <laughs> I just really liked it that much.
2: Oh, that's that. that might be the saddest answer to this question we've gotten yet. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, uh, if if I happen to come across uh, one of these scarves, I will send it to you no charge. Just thank you it. so much. Of course, <laughs> yeah, of course. we got our peepers peeled. Yeah, dude. Uh All right, uh, just to kind of wrap things up here, um, we always like to give the guest a chance to shout out whatever they may want to. So have at it.
1: Sure. Uh, so my Instagram handle is WAF W A F dot INC I N C. Uh, if you'd like to go there to see some different photographs, I'm the guy with the high top fade. Um, <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the guy with the high top fade. And then, uh, I have a website. Um, hunt H U N T and hab H A B dot com. Uh, which I guess would technically be a blog, but it talks a bit more about like just social issues and politics related to black men. So, yeah, if you would like to connect on either of those, then you're more than welcome. And thanks so oh, much yeah. for the opportunity, guys.
2: Dude, thank you again for coming on. Uh, we, this was a hell of a fun conversation. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, Appreciate it. So. Everybody, thank you for listening. Um, apocalypseduds at gmail If you have questions, comments, concerns, uh, we still get very few emails, so just send us a fucking meme. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> I am Matt Smith at Rebels Rogues,
0: and I'm Connor Fowler at Connor Fowler,
2: and at apocalypseduds on Instagram. And yeah, thanks again for listening.